0: Husband, father, motivational speaker, author, and former mayor, KP Westmoreland has spent more than 25 years encouraging and motivating people to live in passionate pursuit of the life they dream of living. Tonight, he shares rare lessons from his leadership journey as I sip on Eagle Rare 10-Year Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. This is straight talk you won't hear anywhere else. I'm Galen Bingham, and this is the Whiskey Jazz and Leadership Podcast. Cheers. Boy, that's good. I love it, and you're tapping into, I mean, you just got a, like a different approach To something that I have always believed, and and Bruce Lee talked about that we tend to put limits on ourselves. We put ourselves in the categories, and uh, really, the world wants us to be in categories because that's how it makes money off of us. And one of the people that you mentioned just a second ago, I got to go back to because you mentioned you mentioned one of my favorite musicians, Prince. That's a dude who just defied all categories. He was. He was jazz, he was rock, he, was, he wrote movies, things that you're just not supposed to do. And then when you look at your music collections, dude, you're not supposed to like a good Christian young man, but you're <laughs> liking Prince, Foo Fighters, Kid Rock, N.W.A, yeah. Sugar Hill Gang, and then you married a lady who says publicly that she likes Bone Thugs and Harmony. <laughs> That's right. This doesn't That's fit right. into in the categories that I've would that i seen out there. You're not
1: going to put me in a box, man. If I like it, I like it. I don't care. My wife said one time, it's a bucket list. Now, this is a girl from Arkansas that grew up in a trailer. The most gorgeous woman you've ever seen. I'm just thankful I got to marry. You. I have no idea why she said yes, but she did. And she's my best friend. And dude, she's just awesome, right? She definitely makes me a better man and a better human being. But she said one day, and it kind of shocked me, because I know she, lo- she loves hip-hop, she loves rap, she loves country, she loves this guy named Ben Howard, and I walk in the kitchen, she's cooking, she got Ben Howard on, and that dude is an amazing, talented musician, artist. But, but she tells me one day, it was a bucket list of hers to see Bone thugs and harmony in concert. and I was like, what? <laughs> like That's a bucket list? Next thing I know. Bone Thugs coming to OKC, the 405 at this little old theater doing their thing. I actually have a backstory. I don't even remember which member of Bone Thugs and Harmony it was, but I get in a 15 passenger van one night. I have a hotel when I was playing comedy basketball. And uh, we were in Cleveland, Ohio, and they picked us up and they were going to take us to this restaurant. And we're going out and this dude's sitting in like the third row. And We're driving. And that's when they introduced me. Oh, this is so-and-so. He's a member of Bone Thugs. And I was like, all right, cool. Nice to meet you. Wasn't a big deal to me. I don't remember which member it was. I tell Susan, my wife, that when I'm driving, taking her to the Bone Thugs and Harmony concert, which you talk about, dude, that was cool. I don't know if we look out of place or what, but <laughs> it was cool. But I tell her that, and she's like, what? You literally drove in the 50th Badger Van and hung out with a Bone Thug? You don't remember which member it was? I was like, no, nah, I don't know. But, dude, after the concert, what we get to do? Get to take pictures and meet Bone thugs in harmony you know? So it was cool, man. So, yeah, there's no limit. I love music. And the thing I love about music, and that's, I don't know, I don't even have a favorite song. A song comes on, oh, this is my favorite song. Boom, turn it up. I'll say that a thousand times, you know? It's like, oh, this is my favorite song. Well, you just said that, you know? And it'll be a totally different genre of music because I like country music. I hated country music growing up. Back then it was country and western music. My uncle listened to country and western music. I was like, Man, that's terrible. But you know, now I like it. You know, I like Jason Aldean. I like these, these country artists. You know, I like kid rock. But I grew up, the first rap song I ever heard was Sugar Hill Gang. I like all of that. The thing I like about music is what it does in me, how I feel, the emotion it draws. It's a love song. I listened to a song today. I don't even know the artist's name. It was a country song. I'm driving down the highway and the song comes on and he's talking about how the girl that he ends up marrying and all that stuff. Then he has a little girl and he's talking about, uh, I believe it was his dad, but it was like, you would have loved her. And I'm thinking about my mom. I'm driving down the road, just tears streaming down my face, thinking about my mom would have loved my wife and my two daughters that I blended into being my daughters. You know, that emotion that music gives me. If I'm going to work out, which hasn't happened in a long time, and at least I <laughs> start back up, but it's like you put on the Foo Fighters, you put on AC/DC, Thunderstruck, you put on some, you know, it's like I'm going to be able to exercise a little bit better than had I been listening to some sleeping music, you know. So I just like what music does in me, and I respect and I admire and I'm in awe of the artist that has that God given ability that's nurtured it and all that stuff. I got a friend. He's like a little brother, Vince Lichlider, phenomenal musician and artist and was in the industry for a while. Now he's out. It's an ugly industry, you know, but dude, just talented. And I sit there and watch him just play the guitar. And I'm like, man, I, my mind can't wrap around how huh? I make my right hand do that. And my left hand is supposed to do this. And I'm just like, oh, forget it. I can't do it. So I'm just in awe of that. Love it. Love it.
0: Love it. I've got such respect for musicians. I will tell you right now that I am a professional music listener. <laughs> I can listen to music better than anybody. But you know, right. that coordination to actually make those 12 notes, because there are only 12 notes, only 12 That's notes.
1: Crazy. How do you stack them in a different way to make a totally different song? My brain just doesn't understand that, man. That's talent. That's God given, man. That's somebody who says, oh, I, I'm going to write this song. Well, you should be limited, right? That should be impossible. Think about it, what we're talking about. That should be impossible. How many songs did Prince write, record that's in Paisley Park in some vault somewhere and all that stuff, on tape, whatever it is? There's only 12 notes, bruh, but yet there's no limit if you just let what's in you out. And these guys and girls that write music and do all this stuff, they're just letting this out fearlessly letting this out. And all of a sudden a brand new song comes out. You ain't never heard before, but there's still only 12 flipping notes.
0: Dude, man, you, you, you have hit the audience with so many gems. I'm going to tell you who, who, who's listening. I believe only two people are listening three. If you, if you include my mom, but two people are listening. The one person who's listening is someone who is leading a group of people. And I don't know if they're leading that group of people in a business, in an organization, in a nonprofit organization, but they're leading a group of people and they're, they're looking for tools on how to lead more effectively. How do they get the most out of the people that are looking to them for answers, solution, vision, those kinds of things. So that's one person who's listening. The other person who's listening is someone in the field they're a soldier, they're trying to get this thing done. They're just trying to live their best life. However big that life might be, they're just trying to do that thing. And uh, with both of those guys or ladies, you know, we try to share with them something that's going to make their walk a little easier, right? Whether you're leading people, whether you're just you're just trying to get up the hill yourself. What's something, and you've shared quite a bit already, but what's something that you would say? to each of those and it could be the same thing about how do you get better at this leadership thing even if you're just leading yourself
1: that hits a note of the chapter i just stepped out of that i just that i just moved out of as the mayor when you know what is right and are you going to do the right thing when it's not the popular thing when you know it's going to bring a smear campaign or false allegations or Whatever it may be, the leprosy effect is what I called it, where all of a sudden, uh, socially and politically and all that stuff, it starts to all of a sudden you ain't the you ain't the golden child all of a sudden. You were <laughs> back then, but you ain't today. And so I gotta move myself away from you so that mudslinging don't get on my new suit because I'm I need to be, you know, in a position. And I experienced that. And I don't knock people for stepping away. I get it. I understand psychology and sociology, and I understand people's personalities, and I'm I, looking into all that stuff. But, and it hurt, but I get it. But it taught me, and that's what I said at the very beginning, to experience something to where I thought I, I knew what strength I had in me, but going through that, I knew, wow, I, I'm stronger than I thought I was. Dude, I'm telling you, I went to a uh, false allegation. As the mayor, you have to chair all the meetings, right? They're public meetings. And so they, they called a special meeting to call for a vote to have me investigated because of an allegation that still some people believe investigation showed just a false allegation, like I had nothing to hide. And I literally had to walk in this meeting. There were 300 probably people in this meeting. And it's like one of those meetings where they want to drag you out of town you know, <laughs> it's hard to you or whatever. And I remember it's the first meeting my wife didn't go to. She'd gone to every meeting up to that point just to be supportive. Because I said, why do you come to these council meetings? Like these, if I didn't have to go to the council meeting, I wouldn't go because they're boring as all get out. She's like, I go to support you. Okay. Then she asked me that afternoon, do you want me to go? And I said, no, I have no idea what the reaction is going to be. I know you're very defensive of me, and I don't want to be dragging you up off of all kinds of people that you're trying to swing on and defend your husband. And I didn't know how it was going to go, right? She's that girl, right? So I left her home, and I drove on my way to the meeting. But I stopped at a baseball field nearby, and I parked. And I just sat there, and I was like, I just felt like I needed to talk to God. And I wasn't trying to hear answers. I wasn't begging him to save me, you know, none of that stuff. All I knew to say, everything I had in me, and it shocked me that it came out of me. Quite honestly, I said, thank you. Thank you that I've been able to be the mayor. Not very many people get to experience that. And thank you for this experience. I don't know what's going to come of it when you've got hundreds of people who have bought into whatever, or they don't like the way you're doing something or whatever it is, and they are out. They don't like you. They're letting it be known. It's ugly, right? And so I remember just thanking him and driving to the meeting and walking in. And earlier that day, I spoke to a friend of mine who has a class and he had been a mayor in previous years in another city, right? I said, Dave, have you ever known anyone that was about to go chair their own meeting where they're gonna get tarred and feathered and run out of town? (laughs) I was like, who gets to experience this stuff? This was great. Like, this is another chapter in my story, right? I drove to basketball across State. I played college bad, oh yeah. You know, I had all these people that hated me all of a sudden for false allegations, whatever. And so I remember I walked into this room, 300 people, and it was like a movie set. When I walked in, I go, hey, everybody. And it was like, ooh, you can hear that sound. And I got to chair this meeting and just, are you going to stand up for what you believe in, even if you're the only one standing there? It's easy to be a leader. Everybody wants to be the leader when you've got a million people following you. It's still tough. I mean, ask Moses. You know what I'm saying? It's not easy leading a bunch of people. They're complaining. You better get it right. I think I know you're supposed to go this way, but you're the leader. You say go that way. Whatever. I mean, it's not easy. But be the leader when no one else is following you. Because they all run away because they think, this girl's crazy. This guy's nuts. What Are you still willing to do what you feel like you're really supposed to do? Think of the craziest thing that's ever happened on planet Earth that wasn't supposed to happen. In the, ask Willie Mays. Ask Rosa Parks. Ask, does it make sense for you to say, no, nah, I ain't moving. I'm not, getting, I'm not getting out of this seat on this bus. doesn't make any sense. And it didn't make life easier for her. She didn't become a millionaire. She became famous. Rosa Parks lost her job. She years later went and moved to another city like Detroit or Chicago or something like that and basically became got a job doing the same thing she did before. She was a seamstress. And I'd love to sit down with her and be like, can you please tell me what was it that just went off in you when you said, "Now nah, I'm not getting up. We're about to change this whole script. And it didn't make it easier. Just because you decide today I'm taking the first step doesn't mean it's going to get any easier. Matter of fact, I guarantee you it's going to get harder. Because it's easier for you to sit right there on your butt talking about how you want it to be. But when you start taking the first step towards that direction, now there's no more excuses. Now it's like, don't come in a locker room and say, well, if I tried harder, we would have won. But I didn't really feel like, nah, ain't none of that. Take the step. I try to challenge myself with that every single day. And thankfully, I got a wife and a family that's very supportive and lets me chase dreams and lets me do crazy stuff like the mayor. But I know at the end of the day, when I breathe my last breath, I don't want to leave anything back. And you might not like me. My personality might rub you the wrong way. You might not like what I accomplished. I don't really care. But I'm going to do what I feel like God's put me on this planet to do. I don't want to say, well, sorry, God, I had to try harder. Maybe I could have done. Be willing to lead. Be willing to do the right thing. It's easy to do the right thing when everybody's watching. It's not that easy when no one's watching. As the mayor, the verse that stuck in my head, not that this is a Bible study podcast, but the thing that stuck in my mind was a verse that never really ever stuck in my mind. But I went to city hall five days a week with this mentality. And by the way, I treated it like a full-time job and it didn't pay a full-time salary. That's not what you're supposed to do. I had a different move. We're going to do something here, and I'm investing myself, and we're doing this. And it still turned out that they want to run me out of town, but I'm thankful that I did that because it taught me a lot, right? But the one thing every day, some point during the day that it hit me in the just right in the forehead was the Bible verse, to know the good you ought to do and not do it is a sin. And so I watched stuff that I had to ask myself, do I say something? Or do I ignore it? Do I turn a blind eye to that injustice? Or do I do something? I brought to council to vote to give our employees of our city to recognize Dr. Martin Luther King Day as a national holiday. They had never done that. And we added a holiday to our employees' list of holidays. And I was sitting there thinking 33 years after Ronald Reagan made a national holiday, my city has never recognized it. I can't live with myself. If I be the mayor and go through my mayorship and I'm no longer the mayor and I didn't do something about that. So to know the good I have to do and to do it. So I said, hey, I'm bringing this to a vote of the council. They unanimously voted for it. Thank you. Why didn't we do that 30 years ago? But those kind of things, when you see something that you know is unethical and you go like, hey, wait, wait, time out. Well, that's not a popular thing in politics. You don't do that. But I'm thankful I did what I did. I sleep well at night and it's taught me a lot about myself. And I would just tell any leader where they're leading millions or whether they're somewhere feeling like they're, even if they feel like they're the last one in line in that group of people that's being led by somebody, somebody's watching you and you are leading them. You're giving an example. You don't have to be the most choir boy, pressed, starched, put together, well-polished person and don't worry about, I can't make any mistakes. Nah, screw that. We all make mistakes. But give an example to the next generation, to those people that are watching you. Doesn't mean you have to do it perfect. Doesn't mean you have to agree upon everything politically, spiritually, religiously, whatever. But at least give an example of standing up for what is right. And that's what I want to do. And I want to encourage people to do it. And I want to watch the world be a better place. And I want to watch as much stuff that is supposed to be impossible get squashed to just being normal.
0: Dude, this has been an incredible conversation. You know, I, I knew if I, if I passed the ball to KP, I knew you would drive the lane and, and make this thing happen. You <laughs> have not, you have not disappointed. Uh, and with that, man, I, I just want to, I want to raise, raise my glass. Let's toast out. Life is not supposed to be easy, but life is supposed to be lived with passion. It just becomes more enjoyable if you do it with whiskey jazz
1: and (laughs) worship
0: that's right cheers man Cheers,
1: cheers man